very vividly the first time that I experienced the ocean. It was the first spring break after my parents divorced when I was in high school. My dad drove us all the way to New Jersey to visit the grandparents. And it was the first time I could ever remember being to New Jersey, at least from what I can remember. And since it was spring break, it was cold, it was mid-March, and we drove all day on the PA Turnpike from Ohio, a long turnpike, and we arrived really late at night. The next morning, my dad was really antsy, so he had us bundle up and get back in the car. And he wouldn't tell us where we were going, but 15 minutes into the drive, he rolls down the window. And the air smelled different. It was salty, briny, fishy, warm and cold at the same time. He pulled into this empty parking lot, and you could hear the sounds of the waves crashing. And we walked down the boardwalk to the beach. And to the north, you could see this hazy outline of New York City. To the south, you could see the remnants of an old pier. And straight out east was this blue-gray, as as far as the eye could see. The sounds of seagulls and loud crashing waves and the swirls of wind kept our conversation quiet. My brother, my sister, my dad and I, we all just stared out at this powerful, unending water water that reached other shores thousands of miles away, waters so deep, we still don't know how deep they are, waters so wide, they're home to these tiny microscopic creatures too small to see, as well as massive ones like sperm whales and giant squid and octopus and everything in between. The whole experience was stunningly beautiful. I felt so small and yet so connected. I'm sure many of us have similar stories and experiences. Your being near water does something, whether it's oceans or lakes or rivers. They remind us of the beauty of creation. We physically need water to function. This week, the poinsettia at the Valenti house almost looked dead, like all wilted, droopy. And I added a little water, and within an hour, it's amazing. It perks up to its beautiful self. We remember water is light. We also use water to clean. We clean ourselves. We wash the food before we eat it. We clean our bathrooms, hopefully, every once in a while. Water also has power. The Washington Post recently came out with this incredible article about the stormwater system in D.C. Because we're all living on top of this swamp. Yeah? And so there's this complicated underground tunnel system, and it works most of the time, right? But it doesn't take much to be in a dangerous flash flood situation around here. So we've all been asked to think about water, storm mitigation, stormwater mitigation, and other things, plant trees, and think about our drains, and it all matters. Water has the ability to destroy, 
and create chaos. But it's complicated, our relationship with water, because we need it to live. We can't live without it. And yet it's this wild force that can't be completely tamed. And this is why we use water in the sacrament of baptism. Sometimes in the church we call this water storied water. Because being washed in this water means that we are connected to all of God's promises. We're pulled into these stories of water like the one we heard earlier about the beginning of beginnings. Where there was just darkness and chaos and there are these deep, wide waters. And from this wildness, God speaks and creates light. God brings order. The Spirit moves over the waters, and by God's word, the world is created. The whole universe, whom God delights and loves and rejoices over. In these storied waters, we also remember that through the waters of the flood, God delivered Noah and his family and promised never to flood the earth again. We remember in these storied waters that God brought freedom to God's people who were enslaved in Egypt, that the Red Sea was parted in two, and God's people walked across dry land to freedom. And even there in the desert wilderness, God provided drink and sustenance from dry rocks. Ordinary and sacred, plentiful and essential water matters. And this is why we use it in baptism. But baptism is more than just splashing water around. Today we hear the story of Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. And this is a strange story. Why would Jesus, the Son of God, need to be baptized? Isn't Jesus already God? In the Gospel of Mark, we don't get a birth story. There's no background on Mary or Joseph. There's no proclamation by angels or visits by shepherds or magi. This story is the beginning. Our very first introduction to Jesus. And Jesus is washed in these story waters by John the Baptist. And that was a ritual really common to Jewish tradition. For the sake of purity, you would go through this mikvah bath before you go to the synagogue for worship. But then Mark tells us that something else happens. The skies open. Not just open, they are torn apart. It's as if the wall between God and God's people is now broken open. The world has been torn apart. It is now a different place where Jesus is here and the Holy Spirit is in our midst. And this is the other piece of baptism. So first we use water, the symbol of life and power, the storied water that connects us to God's promises throughout the generations. And alongside this water, God promises to show up using the Holy Spirit, that moving force from the beginnings of creation. The Holy Spirit is what connects us to God and one another I like to think about the Holy Spirit as the superpower that lives within us, helping us to love freely and give freely, to be the people God created us to be. 
Holy Spirit helps us believe when we can't believe. Helps us forgive when we don't know how. Holy Spirit gifts us with wisdom and might, knowledge and awe, courage, joy in God's presence. Proclaims to us over and over and over again that we are God's beloved. Typically, in our Lutheran church tradition, we baptize babies. Because baptism is a public proclamation of what God already sees in us through the lens of grace. It's not like we do anything magical up here. God already knows these things. But it's a reminder to us. And Martin Luther says babies are the perfect reminder because a baby has not served on church castle. No baby has memorized the Bible, right, or done any great work. Babies are helpless and needy and dependent, unemployed, and usually very stinky. And so a baby brought to baptism is a sign of how we all show up before God with nothing, absolutely nothing. There's nothing we could ever do to prepare There's nothing we could do to be ready for God's welcoming love and grace to come into our lives. God's welcoming love is just there for us. comes crashing over us wave by wave by wave again and again. And so, yes, this origin story of Jesus and the Gospel of Mark is very weird because God is being baptized. And yet, maybe it kind of makes sense. For God, by becoming human, promises to go through all things with us. And so today we hear at the very beginning of Jesus' story what happens. And yet, Jesus hasn't done anything yet. Jesus hasn't healed anyone. He hasn't performed any miracles He hasn't done any teaching or public proclamations. He hasn't turned the water into wine. He hasn't even gotten in trouble with the Pharisees yet. He's done nothing. And yet, here God proclaims to him, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. And this is the promise that God proclaims to each of us. Through the storied water, through the Holy Spirit, You are my beloved child, loved beyond measure. You're awesome just the way you are, and I celebrate you. And so, dear ones, this week and this new year, as we celebrate new beginnings, every time you drive across the mighty Potomac River or take a shower or step in a puddle and end up with wet socks or drink a glass of water or wash the dishes, May you remember that you are God's beloved, celebrated for who you are. You have this incredible superpower, Holy Spirit living within you. And this is where our story begins. Amen. Thanks be to God.